Hey Hokies, today with Carol Franco we discuss the UNFCCC meeting total unanimity among countries and a chance for all VT students to go to the COPS in Glasgow. This is part three of my three-part series with Carol Franco. Um, if you haven't listened to the first two parts, I recommend you start with those, but if not, please enjoy today. What is the relationship, if any, between forests and climate change? Do we have in place any international program related to forests and climate change? So yes, um, forests are extremely important because um, according to an IPCC special report, basically on land, um, the sector of AFALU, which is agriculture, um, forestry and other land uses uh, account for around 23% of emissions. So deforestation and land degradation, um, depending on the year and how you account for it, produces not half of it, but at least a third of those emissions. Wow. So Yes, and not only because of that, if you think about forests, they are the carbon sink, but also they are an ecosystem on itself. So mm -hmm. you have biodiversity, right? And that is extremely important. And you have, they serve as a sink, they provide goods and services because it's an ecosystem. So they provide services to water, um, supports the livelihoods of millions of people because they live uh, through what is produced, employment, income generation, um, help for adaptation to climate change and mitigates because it's a carbon sink and helps as carbon removal too. So forests are like the low hanging fruit, mm -hmm. believe it or not, that you can do, you can use in order to mitigate and adapt. So you can do both through forests. You can do mitigation because you're reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but you are doing adaptation because you're also decreasing the vulnerability and incre increasing the resilience. Okay. of that system through the ecosystem of forest. And which is why the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change um, adopted and had a decision, it took 10 years to have the Red Plus uh, framework, reduction of emissions from deforestation and forest degradation framework. Um, and includes uh, with the plus uh, enhancement of carbon stocks and carbon removals and forest management and increasing biodiversity. So that program is to be developed in, um, implemented in developing countries where a lot of the tropical deforestation happens. Okay. And it's about decreasing the deforestation rates and land degradation in these countries. Again, it took 10 years to finalize. Yeah, I was going to say that's a long time. But if you think about it, it's not. How can you make, a, and this is something important. How can you make, and we haven't started talking about the UNFCCC, but it's yeah, very much related. Yeah, we will soon. We will soon. And uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a UNFCCC, it's an international program. And all developing countries that have forest are part of it. But how can you make, in any negotiation of, of of Red Plus, we had uh, 70 countries being part of it, 80. How can you make a decision with 80 countries with different political <laughs> views and political agendas um, decide on how we are going to manage our forests and where's the money coming from 
And how are we going to do this? I mean, think about your house. If you have one brother, your parent and your mother <laughs> and you yeah. making a decision takes sometimes like no resolution. It's like, forget it. This is not happening. I'm doing my own thing. Imagine almost a hundred parties in one place. So it's Insanity. very difficult. It's very difficult. It's a very difficult process, but we did it. It took a lot of tears and sweat <laughs> and sleepless nights, but we did it. And we have a program that it has taken some time to implement, but we're still working on it. So final, we finalized it in, in 2015. Um, we're still working on it because believe it or not, it takes time to get developing countries institutions up to speed on what needs to be done and how to do it. Developing countries might have excellent regulations, but enforcement many times is lacking. See, In order for you to have a program that is successful, enforcement needs to be there. How important are the developing countries in these sorts of talks? Because if they have less money and output less emissions into the into onto the planet, um, how important is their say? So the UNFCCC is a very interesting organization. And you Let's can talk complain. about it too. You can complain. I complain about it and I love it. So it's like a love-hate relationship, right? Um, why do I complain a lot about it? Because everybody needs to agree or there is no decision. I see. Why do I love it? Because any, every country and every country has a say and has the power to say yes or no. And one country can stop the whole negotiations. That's, one. wow. What's the, what's the reason for that? The reason for that is that you need unanimously. You need unanimously to decide on something. So everybody there needs to say yes. If Dominican Republic raise their hands says, I don't agree, <laughs> then decision doesn't go. If that- European Union says, I don't agree, decision doesn't go. That gives the same level to the European Union and Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And that is huge. That is huge. That's true. So in a sense, it's stressful because... Sometimes you want an example is we were negotiating Red Plus and Red Plus, there was a country, which I'm not going to name, who only came by the time we we're going to say yes to the decision. And he said, we don't agree. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that country did that is because they wanted something else from another negotiation. But in order to get the country that he, they wanted to say yes, to say yes, they stopped this one. So the dele- delegates from that country here will tell the others and they could get an agreement. That is the negotiation. Wow. Actually, well, they did an amazing job, but they stopped the negotiations they wrote for Red Plus for two days or three days until they got what they wanted. Wow. Or sort of a form of what they wanted. You will okay. never get what you want. Paris Agreement was not what we all wanted. It was what we could live with. I see. I go, yeah, I guess coming to an agreement between all those countries. Some people wanted less, some people wanted more, but this was the agreement that we could all live with. That's the Paris Agreement. So you need to take that into consideration because we will never get out of there like win, win, win. It doesn't happen. 
So that's important to take in, in, into consideration. And at the end, um, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change is an international treaty created in 1992 after the IPCC, precisely because the IPCC as the science informed that we needed to have this treaty in order to be able to deal with climate change. And the whole goal of the UNFCCC is to limit average global emissions, uh, temperature increases and the resulting climate change. So stabilize greenhouse gas emissions to the point in the concentrations in the atmosphere at a level that will prevent catastrophic changes into the um, climate system. So this is the UNFCCC. Mm -hmm. um, it meets every year. And sometimes it gets a lot of criticism as to, well, but why meeting? Because it's true, you're having a carbon footprint getting a plane and is in a different country every day, every year. And there's two meetings a year. At the same time, I'll tell you, where is the other opportunity that we can have as countries to show our faces, make decisions and make changes? In um, Paris Agreement, um, we had around 50,000 people wow. attending and around 150 heads of state. Wow. So where can you get the people who really make the decisions to commit uh -huh. to make it happen? Where can you get to talk as a developing country to different developed countries and get bilateral support. This is the place. So it's worth taking the plane to get there. So it's worth taking the plane ticket. And then the UNFCCC has made other commitments to try to neutralize that. So you can commit as me and then be able to support through trees planting, trees restoration, my carbon footprint. Okay. So I donate money for tree restoration X place. And that's how I pay for my carbon or trade my carbon footprint. Oh. There are ways you can do that. And, and many of us do it. That's very cool. Um, what, when did you say they were founded? The UNFCCC? 1990, 1992 was created. Okay. Um, a, the UNFCCC. It was in the Rio conference. Okay, I see. And, so and that's so, when it got created, but we didn't have a COP until 1994. So it took two years to get everything I happening. See. And a COP is the conference of the parties, which is the conference where all the parties, countries get together, which is what happens every year. And it's okay. going to happen this year in Glasgow. If everything goes well with the UK mm. and COVID, uh, it will happen in Glasgow at the beginning of November. Will you be attending? I'll be attending. Uh-huh. As um, Dominican uh, Republic um, adaptation delegate, um, because my the government of my country asked me to be their advisor in adaptation, um, which is a, a, a great honor for me to be able to do it. But also, um, we are an observer organization to the UNFCCC Virginia Tech. So uh, FREC, led by FREC, which is my Department for Resources and Environmental Conservation uh -huh. uh, and CNRE, with a lot of support of our dean. Uh -huh. uh, we submitted all the paperwork um, to the UNFCCC and we became an observer organization in 2017. And since then we've been taking students to the COP. Oh, okay. So students can get involved in the COP. Well, yeah. Can you tell me about that? So 
basically it's a it's an amazing event again we're talking about minimum 20 to 30,000 people uh, in the conference um, you have site up to 500 site events happening at the same time um, as an observer organization you get to register have your delegation um, faculty and students can come it's amazing for networking you you know and meet anyone who's anyone on climate change both internationally and nationally. So Department of Defense, you wanna get a job there on climate change, you're gonna find all your people there. The main NGOs that work on climate change are gonna be there. So you have WWF, Conservation International, World, uh, World Resources Institute, all of them are there. Um, TNC, the National Conservancy. So you meet all these people networking, you can bring projects. So um, Virginia Tech will be having a booth next year uh, this year with everything with COVID is not the best year mm -hmm. where we can showcase our work on sustainable and um, on climate change mm -hmm. and sustainable development in a sense, because that helps also climate change uh, reduce the impacts. We can make technical submissions, which means the university can propose um, technical uh, submissions on a topic. So for example, we have a, an amazing forestry school and an amazing FREC, Forest Resources and Environmental Conservation or Agricultural School. And we can propose on a topic, like I'm following the topic of adaptation in agriculture. How can we do for adaptation in agriculture? Right. And you can submit it as Virginia Tech. And we have had one submission on agriculture already. Oh, okay. So how can, is it students in your classes that get involved in this or do you? Anybody, it's a separate course, a two credit course. So anybody can contact me if interested and mm -hmm. they can attend we That's... can have we'll have some meetings so they understand the whole process and they can attend the cup with me that's a fantastic opportunity um, everybody could... that has gone so far all the students have been extremely happy that's amazing um can you tell me how else virginia tech students can get involved in climate uh, at virginia tech i know there's the pathways minor called climate and society Yes, so we put together a, a Pathways Minor Climate and Society, also led by FREC. Um, and it has to do, we're having some courses. So I teach three courses, two study abroad, one takes students to the COP uh, to see high level policy decision um, happening, mm -hmm. uh, development. How long is that? Then, huh? How long does that last? The one to the COP is a week. So okay. it's a two weeks, the cops are two weeks, but the students only go for one week, either the first one or the second one. I see. And then there's another study abroad class that takes students to Dominican Republic to see the impacts of climate change. And we go all around the island for that and seeing the impacts. And they get to meet with the Ministry of Environment, policy makers, decision makers, top high leaders, and then go to the level of the community and see, okay, is this really happening? Like did everything that the minister of environment told me is true can i see it can it uh -huh. can i see the policies being implemented and there's a class that i also teach that is um climate change and international policy framework which explains the whole climate change unifccc adaptation mitigation climate diplomacy and we have a mock ne negotiation in the class which i'll let you know because it's really cool and it can be open to everyone everyone to everyone wow. the students take a students take a country and they negotiate a topic um and it comes out pretty cool i like if it was a negotiation at the unit triple c really wow that's very cool 
So we have those classes and in spring, we're gonna start, um, I'm gonna be co-teaching, but we're gonna start with a forest policy, forest carbon policy and management course. So we started thinking about all these courses and thinking about students. My students were telling me, how come we don't have a minor in climate change? How come yeah. we're not doing this in climate change? So I like, I totally agree. We need to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so the, the students are interested. They want it. They want to learn more. They want to be part of it. Um, and that was really nice to see and to hear Virginia Tech students asking for it. Um, so we developed this minor. And it's a pathways minor. So that means we have different courses from different um, colleges put it together um, to try to give a very holistic approach to what is climate change. So you're gonna learn about the causes, the impacts um, at the local, regional, international level, et cetera. And the most important thing is that you, you leave this minor with a very general understanding, but also with the idea that if you're interested in more, you can do it and you can learn more. So the minor has basically um, some required courses, of course, mm -hmm. and a capstone. It does two required courses and, and a capstone, but then you can choose um, classes from the physical and natural sciences, the environment and ecosystems, human dimensions and policy and methodologies. And you can take a class for each one of these. And you, we have very, a lot of um, options to explore. So you can choose which ones you like more, which ones you sound like more interesting. So students can, in a sense of encompassing what we want to achieve, which is give students the information, the scientific, but also policy information of climate change, but they can choose different courses that will give them what they want. So the, yeah, the experience they want from experience it. Experience that they want. So okay. the realm of courses have the similarities as to no matter which ones they take, they're going to come up with a solid understanding. What is climate change and how, what can we do about it? That's fantastic. And that goes right back to what you were saying earlier about how it's so important to educate people about climate change if we want to make a difference and making that minor is exactly like addressing that idea. And I, I want to just, uh, like I tell my students, education is not indoctrination. Education is, these are the facts. This is the science. I want you to critically analyze it. And that's important too. Because if, if you just tell, tell a student, this is how you have to think, that doesn't work. And, and, and at the end, they are extremely smart and they know. So it's about providing the information. And I make sure that, you know, I place devil, devil's advocate. So, <laughs> you know, well, I don't understand why people even at the end of the class think about climate change. And they are the ones just kind of yelling at me. What do you mean? <laughs> so it's important that they, that you provide students with research, with the science, with what's out there, with the knowledge necessary for them to take their own views and decisions and critically analyze, because that's the other thing of this minor. It also helps and teaches how to critically analyze information, what's out there and how to communicate that information. Because you have to be careful. And, and sometimes we scientists um, don't, are not the best communicators. <laughs> or we talk in terms that nobody understands us. Uh -huh. I've understood like, everything today, so. <laughs> I think it's so going have, well. 
you have to be, you have to make sure everybody understands. You have to make sure I'm very bad at acronyms. So I'm trying to control <laughs> myself a lot on that one. Mm -hmm. And if not, you know, I get people lost in two minutes into the conversation and they're like, can you go back to what is this? Yeah. Like the UNFCCC. So I, have learned, it, I have learned to spell things <laughs> out. So that's why you see me like I go back and say the whole name because you need to go back to, this is my life. This is not everybody's life. And it's very difficult just to keep track of all the names. Right. Um, do you have any final thoughts? We were, we were going to talk about um, two more things. When did climate change become a serious threat? And are the tropical storms we're seeing and wildfires, are those all related to climate change? Um, if you want to address those two questions before we end the podcast. Um, very quickly, I think climate change has been a serious threat since the beginning. We just keep pushing it and put it in the back burner. Um, I think we thought we had enough time. I think we thought we were going to be able to make it and we had enough of technological information in advance that we could um, control it. Mm -hmm. we were not able to is it industrial revolution period it when we started the increasing of greenhouse gas emissions yes it was industrial revolution it's 1950s when just starting to 50s go up, 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 up. Okay. yes um so and that's why we know as a fact it is human activity induced mm -hmm. um so and that's what i mean since the beginning the first climate conference was 1979 so since the beginning, we started talking about climate and climate change, which was 1979 formally, mm -hmm. it was already an issue because that's why we were talking about it. That's why we were addressing it. We just, it's just been a long period of time to try to get to it. Um, but it is a threat. It is a global challenge, basically. Mm -hmm. But I think it has been there since we started discussing it. And it's, again, Right now, I remember when I was doing my postdoc, we were like complaining about 350 ppm, and now we are in 420 ppm parts per million of um, CO2 emissions equivalent. So we just continue increasing. Right. And the other questions about what we are experiencing, the, wild, the wildfires, the flooding, the heat waves, yeah. the drought. So there's two things. We do have climate variability. We have to remember that. And we have climate change, which exacerbates because of human-induced activities, because of human activities, um, our impacts on, on, on land, on livelihoods, on everything. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about all this, we know that one of the impacts of climate change is extreme weather events. So what we are experiencing many times is that extreme droughts can lead to low soil moisture, and then can lead to wildfires. Extreme droughts also lead to some plants uh, being overtaken by certain pests that before didn't happen because there was not a drought. Mm. Um, increase in intensity and increase in number of hurricanes. What happened to Ida for the first time a hurricane went from category one to category four in an afternoon. Wow. Because of a pocket of, of, of warm air and water. So because the process is happening, and that is due to climate change, it went from one to four in one afternoon. And supposedly it was, I think, 30 miles short from becoming a category five. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. Yep. So a little bit more of ocean 
-hmm. and you get to category five because you know when it hits land and loses um, pressure. Um, we have heat waves and they're getting worse and worse. And so you're having all these things happening, even in the United States, you look at a map and they have made the maps of all the things happening in the East, in the West, you have a flooding in the East because of extreme um, precipitation. And then you have the fires in the West and all has to do with the impacts of climate change and extreme weather events. So it, it's, it, is, it is related to climate change again, it's important to remember that climate change sometimes doesn't cause the problem, but exacerbates it. But in this case, what it's doing is um, increasing extreme weather events. And it's only going to get worse, I imagine, over time, which is and a scary the problem, thing. And the problem is that, yes, it, the, uh, the projection and the models only show that it's going to get worse. Do you have any final so, thoughts? Oh. So, so then yeah. the reason to take action now. Of course. Um, do you have any um, final thoughts you want to add before we conclude? I guess, um, thank you for the opportunity. I think it's very important that um, this type of podcast gets out there. Um, I was very surprised when you contacted me and very excited about it too. Um, and it's nice to... It's nice to see that, that there's interest at all levels in the university on the topic. Mm -hmm. And just final message is that um, we still can make it. We still can decrease our greenhouse gas emissions and, and, and make the necessary changes to decrease impacts of climate change. And going back to something you said, um, just everybody should know that even the smallest, um, the smallest thing we do activity decision, even if we don't see the impact right away, it does make a difference. So it's important to keep that in mind. And let's, at our level, um, either it's the BT community or the neighborhood where you live or your dorm or your apartment, there are things you can do to um, reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And I think I do speak for a lot of my classmates when I say that, um, we really do, I think it is for my generation, at least one of the most important problems um, we have to face and we, that we really care about. So it's, it's always great to hear from someone like you. You had great energy, you're great at communicating and everything. Um, I was really excited when you got back to me and we're excited to come on and talk to me about all this. Um, so I wanna thank you for your time. And if anyone is interested in reaching out to Carol Franco, you can do so by emailing her at carol at vt.edu. It's a very simple email. C-A-R-O-L. Um, you can also follow Hokey Talk on Instagram and TikTok at Hokey Talk to hear more from the podcast. Hokey Talk is a podcast for the students. If you or someone you know should be on the podcast, you can contact Hokey Talk at our email, hokeytalk1 at gmail.com or on our social media pages. Thank you for listening. My name is Aziz Malouche and I hope to see you all back. Carol, thank you again. Thank you for everything and hope to see you sometime soon in person. That'd be great.